0: Welcome to the best of the Nick Brown Show, an on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's your host, Nick Brown.
1: Now we're going to go to Hueytown, Alabama's favorite son. That's Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Good morning, Lynn. How are you?
0: Hey, Nick. I'm doing great. We were just talking off the air. You, you know, you hear people say there's not a cloud in the sky. I'm uh, I'm sitting on the back porch of my palatial estate here, and uh, I, I can see everything except behind me, and I'm, i got about a 270-degree view, I guess, and there is literally not a cloud in the sky. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful day for football. A little bit of touch of fall, but it's uh, going to be a beautiful day for, uh, for football. Uh, ULM, some of your guys down there are going to be in Auburn. I'll be with them in a few hours, and uh, and going to be a beautiful day for football, and, uh, and you know, some more significant games this weekend after what was one of the most significant weekends in a long time that was played last week
1: well let's talk about that significance and i'll let our one of our listeners know a list of the mid-major report to hear about the ulm game and todd i appreciate you listen we're going to discuss that in the uh, sec report with ulm and auburn so you want to stay tuned for that but let's talk about the significance of last weekend several streaks broken one boy the old miss rebels certainly looked good versus the georgia bulldogs and lynn I will say this, I'm hearing grumblings out of Athens, Georgia, a problem between those guys that were recruited by Mark Rick and those that were brought in by Kirby Smart. Seems to be some just rumbling and grumbling. Things aren't good in Athens right now, and they're just really uh, – a smoke and mirrors football team that led to a 3-0 record. Yeah, because well,
0: they, they could have easily been 0-3. I mean, North Carolina could have easily beat them in the first game, uh, which, which uh, as uh, three unimpressive wins, that was the most impressive – uh, you know, they beat, uh, they beat Nichols uh, when Nichols outplayed them. would have been the most humiliating loss in, in modern Georgia history. Uh, Georgia wins because Nichols fumbles and, and Georgia runs the ball in for a touchdown. Uh, they win with 30 seconds left on a, on a pass uh, in, in Missouri, uh, and, and Missouri people would tell you that it, it, some officiating uh, helped that out. Uh, and, and then that situation last week, uh, they, they play today a, a very hot Tennessee team. That's got to keep his mind on what he's doing because he has got A and M and Alabama coming up after that, and Nick Chubb's not going to play. Uh, so, you know, that's the kind of thing. Probably George will win the game, uh, but but yeah, there and and you think about it, Nick. Uh, after legendary coaches, and I'm not necessarily saying that Rick is legendary in the in the way that say Wally Butts was back in my early days or or Vince Dooley was, uh, but. When you've coached, uh, you know, 12 or 14 years or whatever it was, and you're averaging nine wins a year in the Southeastern Conference, uh, and and going to bowl games and 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 being a really good guy, uh, you know, it's hard to come in and and you can you can probably count on one hand the times when a a legendary coach has gone out and his replacement has come in and been successful. Usually, it's two or three coaches down the line before they come back and. Uh, And get successful, and and all is not lost because of Georgia losing one ball game. I mean, they're still theoretically in the national championship hunt until they lose some more ball games. But when when you're down 38 to nothing uh, to a team that's already blown two, three touchdown leads uh, in the season, uh, that's not a real good, you know, not a real good omen.
1: All right, you brought up something, and I want to go ahead and touch on it. You said not legendary status the way Wally Butts was at the University of Georgia, the way Vince Dooley. We can throw names. Obviously, Bear Bryant, one of the greatest of all time. You look at Pat Dye, Shook Jordan at Auburn. You look. You go to Tennessee with some of the uh, names that they bring in. I don't think you'll ever have that in college football again because of fan base now, social media, uh, instant gratification, uh, greedy fan bases. I don't think you will ever have coaches of legendary status unless you win a national championship. And even that is not enough because Gene Chizik is certainly not going to be a legendary coach at Auburn. Gus Malzahn played for the national championship unless he wins one or plays for another. will not be thought of that way. I just don't think we will have the legendary. That's the sad part of college football. You won't have that legendary guy. You take Bear Bryant uh, coaching at Alabama in today's world. They had two seasons at Alabama that were, I think, 5-7 and seven or 7-5. Seven and five. They would have probably, in this day and age, run Bear Bryant out of Tuscaloosa.
0: Yeah, well, the, the reason I think that you're not going to have that is, is a different factor from what you mentioned. It's the longevity issue because, you, don't, you know, you're not going to coach at a uh, – everybody's talking about, you know, Nick Saban's a legend and all that, and, I mean, and he certainly has done one great day. He's won four national championships. But he's coached there for, you know, eight years. Uh, you know, uh, eight years ago, he lost to Louisiana Monroe. The team's going to be playing Auburn today. Um, you know, you don't – certainly they're in an era that, that uh, stacks up to the era that Bear Bryant had at, at Alabama. But talk to me about it when he's been there 15 years. Now, he may have 12 national championships. I don't know uh, when that, that happens. But, but talk, to me, talk to me about his uh, status being on an equal footing with Bear Bryant after he's been there – for uh, you know, for fifteen years, uh, but the problem is, you don't have any coaches anymore that are places fifteen years. We no. had a few, you know, a few years ago. I know You and I talked. We had uh, we had Bobby Bowden, Joe Paterno, uh, Frank Beamer, and Larry Blakeney.
1: Jerry, and Brian, those were the four longest
0: tenured coaches, and they're all gone now. And I don't know who's the longest tenured coach in the in the country right now. I, I'm going really to say Bob. I'm going to say
1: Bob Stoops. Uh, is it is it Stoops? I think it's going to be Stoops. Well, it could be, but there
0: aren't. The, the point being, you and I can't. You and I keep up with, with college football more than most people. And, and we don't have the names that come to our mind that have got the longevity that, uh, that would put them in the category of those guys we just mentioned and, and, uh, and the coaches that I do consider to be legendary coaches. And, uh, you know, you, when, you, when you've been there maybe a dozen years and you've been a consistent winner uh, and, and not had any, any major problems or whatever, so let's, let's talk about being in that status. And certainly Nick Saban for a, for a smaller number of years would be the guy that jumps out in your mind first as most likely being able to break that mold. But, uh, you know, it, and it's a shame to me when I was little, uh, which is, you know, eons ago, um, you know, we, our, our coaches in the conference, we had General Nayland at Tennessee, and we had, we had Johnny Vaught, and we had Coach Jordan and, and Coach Bryant, and you had Bobby Dodd. At Georgia Tech, and, and Wally Butts, and Frank Howard was coaching at Clemson. And I I I've, I've I've been at games. I wasn't I wasn't in some of them. I wasn't old enough to actually start covering games yet. Some of them I just attended games. But you know you go to games and those guys are walking the sidelines. And we got people listening to this show right now that have never heard of some of those guys. And and they they're the legends. They're the guys that built the foundation upon which college football uh, became so big today. And um... And it's just you know we're not gonna we're not gonna have that again. And those were those were golden years of uh, college football. And unfortunately, because of because of so many teams now, uh, back then you didn't have as many teams. You didn't have as many bowls. Uh, you didn't have every game on television. Um, you know, you didn't have the four and five million dollar salary so that coaches would jump from place to place uh, to fatten their pocketbooks. Things just weren't the same. And uh, you know, a lot of things have changed for the better, but but some things. You know, change is not necessarily good, uh, Nick. And An old Archie Bunker guy like me, uh, you know, often feels that way, and, and this might be one of those. Well, and you didn't, have, you didn't have
1: Twitter. And By the way, I'm still waiting for your first tweet. Uh, Greg was listening to the show today and he brought up uh, Bill Snyder at your favorite place, Manhattan, Kansas. Oh, absolutely. No, but, and Bill, hey,
0: listen, and Bill Snyder is an unusual situation because Bill Snyder left coaching, saw that his alma mater, his, the, the team at his heart, was struggling, and he made the sacrifice and came back and took that team over again, and has got them back again to be going to bowl games and being competitive, and uh, he he goes to West Virginia today, and every time you put a Bill Snyder uh, team on the field, you better watch out because you got a potential loss there because they're so solid. They're sound, uh, and and I think I'm right that he's the only coach in America that's playing in a stadium that's named after him. he,
1: He is, and I'll tell you something interesting about him that I really appreciate, and you know how coaching and covering takes you away from your family. And when they went to name the stadium after him, he said, Only if you put my family name after it and it's Bill Snyder Family. Family Stadium. stadium. That's
0: right. Yeah. Yeah, I and, noticed that when I was out there a couple years ago. Yeah, you're right, Manhattan, Kansas is one of my favorite places to cover a ball game. That's a that's a great little town. Anybody ever gets a chance to go out there, particularly on a ball game weekend. But that's a a great little town. I don't know
1: what they pay you, but you're certainly the most underpaid staff on the (laughs) Manhattan-Kansas Chamber. (laughs) I'm I'm an ambassador for
0: a good many places that doesn't even know I'm ambassadoring for much less give me any compensation. Well, well, I want to
1: move in and talk because we've got a lot of listeners. They want to get your take on the Auburn-ULM game. But I do want to say I just had a a message come across, you know, updated the phone so you get all these notifications, and this is appropriate. And we normally don't use profanity here on the Nick Brown Show, but we will today. Les Miles, happy to let last-second play versus Auburn define. Is LSU legacy? Because a lot of people have said that. He said, "I don't give a damn who judges me." So, Les Miles with that. <laughs> well, good for that. Hey, seriously, good for him. I mean, uh,
0: that, you know, I mean, uh, Les. Les coached the way. I'm going to miss Les Miles. I'm going to be honest with you. I've, I've started writing my column for this next week. Now, last week I got changed because I started. I already had my Tennessee, Florida column written. Which anybody in the audience that keeps up with my columns and our website, you know that that column that was posted on Wednesday was going to be posted on Monday morning, and I get a call from my son on Sunday night telling me Arnold Palmer died. And that changed my crux. I, I stayed up to 3 a.m. writing a tribute to Arnold Palmer that was on on Monday morning, and I pushed the other one back. But— Yeah, it, could you not get it, oh, wait
1: a minute. Could you not get to the meeting on time? I read your article. I mean, uh, are you going to meet uh, Arnold Palmer? Did you have a chance? But it was a great—
0: Nick, Nick, listen, I, and I know people in the audience, few of them read my column. But we had a meeting, Arnold Palmer was my last living hero uh, when he passed away, and I, I had one, up. I mean, you know, I covered, I used to be a, a, a travel editor for Lynx Magazine, so I covered golf for a number of years, and, and I was at, you know, courses he had designed, and, and we had some tournaments here in Birmingham that I covered where he would play in the tournament, but I never got to meet him. And we had this business meeting in Orlando a number of years ago, and Mr. Palmer was going to be an investor in this in this project that I was going down there to help try to put some marketing together for, and I I didn't know that he was going to be at the meeting. I knew he was a potential investor, and I flew into Orlando. and People that have done this know you fly into Orlando and you've got that uh, that big interstate that runs uh, east and west. You got to go up and hit that to go hit the main interstate, and it is uh, it's a boondoggle. It's a it's a traffic nightmare, and my plane was late, and then the traffic was bad, and I got there and. Um, and Mr. Palmer had left five minutes before. And I hurried out trying to get him, trying to catch him, and he had already left. And uh, and that's one of my great regrets from a sports standpoint is that uh, my plane was late and I had, I had heavy traffic. But I've already started writing my column for this week. I can't, I can't know how it's going to go because I'm probably going to write it on LSU and Missouri. And everybody wrote columns this week about Les Miles. And, and to me, the significant thing, you know, I can do all the stuff about Les Miles, Let's see how they do today. Let's see, how the let's see how, what, are, what the emotional fallout and the game fallout from them losing uh, Les Miles and losing to Auburn. And I want to see how does that order run do? How does the team react? Um, you know, so probably, after I change my mind, my column on Lindsay's website this week is going to be evaluating the LSU situation a little bit differently than what other people have done, uh, not doing it immediately in the aftermath of, uh, of losing uh, again in Auburn and, and less Miles being fired, let's see what the repercussions are going to be. All right, real quick, I
1: want to talk about two things I want you to tell. And we got got Lynn takes you to 10. Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine, Hueytown, Alabama's favorite son, now living in Birmingham. But let's talk about, first of all, the website, because people are missing out on reading great work. Yes, I'm telling you that your articles are very good, and some of them. Can be tear jerkers, and then I felt bad for you missing your meeting with Arnold Palmer. That's gonna that's gonna lead to our topic for next week's show: our greatest sports regret. And so now we know what yours is. But tell everyone about the website
0: www.lindysports.com. It's attractive. Uh, we uh, we have a lot of original content. Uh, we have a, a a partnership with the Sports Exchange, uh, and they uh, they provide us uh, with probably a hundred different stories a day. Um, we're not for everybody. We know what we are. We're not, if you want to find out about the, uh, the details of the next NASCAR race or if you want to find out who's, women, who's winning in uh, uh, you know, women's uh, professional basketball, you probably don't want to come to us. Uh, we do baseball, basketball, and football just like our magazines are, uh, but we are extremely thorough in the sports that we cover. And, uh, and again, if you want to find out the, the score of the Yankees-Red Sox game in the fourth inning, you don't need to come to us. We're not going to have that. We, we know what our niche is and we're good at our niche. And uh, we, we have a lot of original columns, myself included, and others, uh, Matt Lowe, Ken Cross, uh, Howard Balzer, we have people that write columns on our site. Uh, and we try to be informative and interesting and give you some stuff that you're not necessarily going to get everywhere else. And uh, I encourage people to go into the website. Hope that they hope they will and appreciate you giving me the chance to promote it.
1: Well, I never feel bad for you that often because you get to cover college football every weekend. But when reading the article uh, that you had as a tribute to Arnold Palmer, I certainly felt bad for you missing that meeting. And now we've got a guy that listens to the show. We name is Ty, but in parentheses he calls himself Elvis. So anyone that calls himself Elvis is okay in my book. He's one of the greatest musicians of all time. So now I want to talk about Elvis really wants to hear you talk about the Auburn ULM matchup today.
0: Well, I I'll talk more about Auburn because people there know about ULM. But I want to say this: ULM had a had a tough, close loss last week to Georgia State, and Georgia State's a good team. Uh, I, I mean, Georgia Southern. Georgia what I State, Georgia yeah, they State. had an
1: off week last week, so really two weeks
0: ago. Right, well, two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern's a good team. Uh, you know, South Alabama goes into to Starkville and beats Mississippi State, and then they go down to uh, they go down to back home. And Georgia Southern goes in and beats them by double digits. Uh, Georgia Southern's a, a strong program, and um, you know I remember the days back when Irk Russell was winning national championships at Georgia Southern. So uh, you know Monroe was coming off of a coming off of a tough loss. Hey, I want to say this too: there are a lot of people in that stadium today that uh, that made a, a gigantic cheer eight years ago. Uh, one of the big, you know, probably one of the biggest cheers they collectively did when uh, when Louisiana Monroe knocked off Alabama. So all of the experiences in the state of Alabama have not been bad for Louisiana Monroe. Uh, obviously, you've got to feel like Auburn's going to win the game. Um, you know, it's a, different, it's a different level. I mean, you got to – I mean, I, I, you know that I'm a, I'm a, a fan of, of uh, the Sun Belt and, and Conference USA and Mountain West. We, we You're a
1: group of five guys, If really
0: anybody, but you've got to be realistic. Um, you know, most of the time those teams don't win, and I think they're probably catching Auburn at a bad time. Um, you know, Auburn had the big win over LSU. The offense started clicking. Uh, they got almost 400 yards offense on LSU. Their, their problem, I and mean, anybody that's keeping up with the game today, uh, you got to look out. When Auburn gets inside the 10-yard line, uh, really inside the 20, it's tough for them to score. Uh, they're, they're more likely to score from long distance on a touchdown or else they got the best kicker in the country. Yeah, one of the best kickers I've ever seen. Daniel Carlson, uh, for the Monroe fans that are, that are watching the game today, you're going to see a treat. Uh, Daniel Carlson, his last 30 field goal attempts, he's kicked 29 of them. Uh, he kicks about 90 percent of his kickoffs uh, into the end zone as touchbacks. Uh, he's kicked six out of his last seven from over 50 yards, uh, and this is this is a heck of a weapon. Lucky Auburn's got him because they can't score touchdowns from in close. And I suspect that today you're going to probably see some, uh, some maybe some creativity, some uh, trying out from Auburn's standpoint, assuming assuming that their offense does like it did against LSU and can can drive at the field and get 400 yards. Uh, I suspect that you look for uh, maybe, maybe some sweeps, maybe maybe a little bit more John Franklin, the running quarterback. Um, I, I suspect that Auburn's going try to try to prove that they can, can score close if they get the chance. And by score, I mean touchdowns. Because Auburn's got a tough stretch coming up. they got Mississippi State, got to go to Starkville. Uh, they play Arkansas, who's a rejuvenated team. And Auburn's still got to go on the road to Mississippi, Georgia, and Alabama. So they got some tough games upcoming, uh, and and that that's sort of what I expect to see happen today, Nick, in the ball game. I, I think I think Louisiana Monroe can, can certainly put up a respectable showing, uh, but I, I think Auburn will win the game, uh, and that's sort of what I think fans ought to look for from from Auburn. I know they're not going to be as familiar with Auburn as they are with, with Louisiana well, Monroe. Well, the
1: defensive coordinator it. defensive coordinator Mike Collins and linebackers coach Scott Stoker certainly had the work cut out for them today. Now I want to touch on that game because interesting enough, last week. And you know me, Lynn. You've known me for ten years, I think, or more. It may seem like a hundred to you. Because <laughs> you always buy, you know, I always throw the, uh, it's your turn to buy lunch whenever I come to Birmingham. And, <laughs> and for some reason, you go for it every time. So, uh, but, but you look, last week, Gus Malzahn handed play calling duties over to Rhett Lashley. You know well, me, know. I'm a conspiracy theorist. I think that is to improve the resume of Rhett Lashley and are also, and or, to make him the scapegoat if things go south and then you look at bringing in Art Bryles to Auburn, or even his son Kendall Bryles, who's at Baylor right now, still on staff. That's my opinion on that, and I think that's what you'll lead to see some creativity out of the Tiger offense.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think there's probably some validity to what you said, but I'm not sure it's such a conspiracy thing because that that makes it sound pretty clandestine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I don't think it's question. not a conspiracy I mean, if
1: you announce it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for for I I think that that there's some validity there. I mean. The Rhett Lashley situation is I mean, it's in question now because of because of the way that Auburn's offense has sputtered really since the since the um, I, I guess the early part of the season last year, maybe the Mississippi State game last year, that you know, they have not been able to score. Uh, they you know, they get decent offensive yardage, but they can't score touchdowns. And and that has lost them a lot of all games in the last in the last season, the last twelve or fifteen games. And um and a lot of that goes to Rhett Lashley, offensive coordinator. And I, and I do feel like that Malzahn's probably saying, okay, I'm putting too much on myself. Let's see what Rhett can do. And if he does real well, then, yeah, maybe he'll get a, a coaching opportunity, head coaching opportunity, because there's going to be some. Well, he interviewed at ULM last
1: yeah. year. Now, yeah, and an his, you know, <laughs> Maybe
0: he does real well and he stays there. There's See, there's nothing that says Art Browse has to come to Auburn to replace Rhett Lashley. I mean, look across the state. Uh, you know, Nick, Nick Saban... Uh, hired his second-fired Southern Cal coach uh, within the last month and brought him into a non-existent position uh, as some kind of consultant. And so there's nothing to say that Art Browse couldn't come to Auburn uh, and let Rhett Lashley stay there. Everybody's been making the assumption that that Browse only comes if they figure out a way to get rid of Rhett Lashley. And I don't know that that's true. Uh, You know, Browse is going to be looking for a coaching position. Uh, He's too good a coach not to be coaching. I do think because of what happened at Baylor, it's unlikely he goes immediately to become a head coach somewhere else, whether or not that's fair. And the kind of offense that Auburn runs certainly lends itself to Art Browse. Art Browse and Gus Malzahn are close personal friends. Uh, and you got a, you got a quarterback named Spidham out there that a few, a few folks might have heard of that's sitting that out this year that's going to be playing football somewhere next year. And uh, all he averages is like 400 yards a game or something with, at, at Baylor, recruited, recruited by and coached by Art, uh, Art Browse. And, uh, and he's been at Auburn a number of times on the sidelines. And uh, Stidham, I mean. And uh, I'm not saying I know nothing about Stidham, never interviewed him. I don't have any idea if he would intend to let Auburn be the place where he goes. But Auburn, a team that certainly needs an effective quarterback, and you got a guy that's already been a, a, a record-setter, all-star, uh, playing in the Big 12, and you got his head coach uh, that, uh, you know, there was a guy that recruited him and got him to run that offense that's looking for a place to be. And all these rumors are swirling about uh, about Bryles and Stidham at Auburn. And I, I don't know if there's any fire where there's smoke or not, but there's a lot of smoke about that.
1: Well, you, you like Tennessee over Georgia, and Absolutely. of cor- course we like Alabama over Kentucky. Yep. You got Auburn over Louisiana Monroe, Florida yep. over Vanderbilt. Uh, game that's really intriguing. I think Texas A&M wins big in Columbia, South Carolina. A so lot, so uh, Memphis I, so. at Ole Miss. That has been a game that has uh, been interesting the quite past seasons. So this one, how do you see that game shaking out? Well, I
0: mean I think Ole Miss is going to win. Um, And Memphis, Memphis is probably better. You know, I don't. Memphis hasn't lost a game, have they?
1: I don't think they have. I think
0: they're still undefeated. And but, but it's not the same. You know, last year's Memphis being undefeated was because they were so strong and had the great quarterback and all that. And I'm not so sure exactly how Memphis being undefeated translates right now. Uh, A team that gets ahead of Georgia, thirty-eight to nothing, is probably not going to lose to Memphis on that same field. Um, I'm not so much somebody. A Mississippi person asked me earlier this week, "Was this payback time?" because of what happened last year with, with Memphis beating Ole Miss so soundly. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's any revenge-type thing in mind. I mean, just Ole Miss, because they've already got two losses, they know they need to win. They can't afford to stumble because they've still got some big SEC games coming up. And if they, if they lose their second non-conference ball game, um, then they're, they're, realistically their hopes to be in the, in the playoff picture is gone. But if they want to end up being a highly ranked team and go to a New Year's Day bowl game, they can't. They can't lose this ball game. And I, you know, I think Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss really started putting it together last week. And and Ole Miss is a better team than, than Memphis. Um, so I, I like Ole Miss to win the game. Well, and
1: here you get Memphis is undefeated. <clears throat> they defeated Southeast Missouri, Semo, thirty-five to seventeen. More of a baseball school. Uh, they defeated the Jayhawks, forty-three to seven. And then last weekend, put up seventy-seven points on Bowling Green. So interesting. This will be the first weekend of the season that Memphis has played a team whose mascot is not a bird.
0: <laughs> well, that, that right there may be the open see? Boy, If I had realized that, it wouldn't have taken me so long to analyze the game. Cardinals Jayhawks, and falcons. These little things, man, that can make a difference to me. There you
1: go. Now, uh, real quick, I just want to—they've been showing it. Lynn has taken you to uh, ten o'clock. Lynn takes you to ten. Uh, Lynn, I've got people that are just now wearing purple and gold out the wazoo now that Les Miles has been fired. I've been inundated with LSU fans at the depot. It's actually uh, quite surprising and shocking. But I must uh, must tell you before we go, Lynn. I uh, always appreciate the great job that you do and remind everyone about the website once again.
0: www.lindysports.com. And I'll say this, I do think LSU wins tonight. Hey, let me, is Fournette going to play?
1: No, I don't think he is. Okay, I,
0: that, see, that, that's two significant absences in games today uh, Nick Chubb missing from Georgia and if Leonard fournette misses from LSU that's two, two best running backs in the conference not playing in key games that those teams need to win I do think LSU wins but uh, you know last week Memphis put up 77 well unfortunately they didn't they didn't score as much as Missouri they put up 79 so you got a you got a surprisingly good Missouri team coming in LSU needs to be careful but I, I do
1: feel like LSU probably wins the game all right Lynn appreciate it and
0: Thanks for listening to the best of the Nick Brown Show. Tune in live every Saturday on ESPN977.com or subscribe to the show in iTunes on Stitcher or at redpeachsports.com.